This is the Keeper's Diary for the Adventure uh, series. I guess it's a bit of a misnomer because uh, the Game Master in Adventure is not called the Keeper. Uh, I believe it's called the Narrator. But uh, it's a, uh, I, I kind of like the idea, so I'm just going to continue calling it by that name. Um, so I guess to start with, the inspiration for using this uh, different game system um, mostly came from the Bradford University Role-Playing Society. Um, they ran a few uh, sessions uh, using this system, and uh, it intrigued me enough that I decided that I would uh, go ahead and, and give it a try. Uh, I had really only played um, basic role-playing-based systems, uh, RuneQuest, um, Call of Cthulhu. The only real D20 system, if you can call it that, was that I ever played was uh, and ran was Pendragon, which... Um, although it uses a D20, it's not exactly the same as the uh, the D&D D20 system. Um, so I went ahead and, and uh, bought a PDF of the rules and uh, downloaded it and printed it out and started to think about uh, what kind of a uh, scenario or campaign did I want to run. And uh, despite the timing, uh, the notion of pirates on the high seas uh, was not inspired by um, the Maersk, Alabama, um, it was actually inspired by a couple of things. It was a combination of Project A, which is a Jackie Chan movie, um, and a little bit of You Only Live Twice, uh, one of the James Bond movies. Um, so I guess to start out with, uh, or some of the, the major bits, the, the ship, the, the actual ship, the Sirius, that um, the players uh, find themselves on. Um, first of all, the name uh, Sirius is from Tintin, uh, if you haven't uh, seen that particular uh, or read those particular uh, stories. Um, so I was kind of doing some research uh, on the internet looking for uh, basically a, a tramp freighter or a steam freighter, and I came across uh, a site uh, on the author Louis L'Amour, now, most of you may know him more as a Western writer, and he certainly did write a number of Western stories. But he actually did write a few pulp, actually a few, quite a number of uh, pulp stories. Uh, he did a whole series of stories, in fact, on a character named Pongo Jim, who is the captain of a freighter. Uh, and uh, there's actually a website that um, someone has done which has a, a deck plan for... Uh, the freighter, or you know, a, a, a possible deck plan for the freighter that Pongo Jim is the captain of. So I downloaded that uh, those images, and um, I had to tile the the, the actual d uh, deck plan was far too large to be able to print on one eight and a half by eleven piece of paper. So I just pasted into pasted it into Excel, um, which then tiled it for me. I, I was looking at all sorts of different ways. How do I take this image and break it into smaller pieces so I can print out each page separately? And you know what? Excel did it just fine, uh, and so that was very easy to do. It still wasn't to scale to you know 25 millimeter scale, but it was close enough. And so then you know take the paper cutter. Uh, line everything up, tape it down, uh, or actually, I, I, I didn't tape it down, but I could have. Um, and, you know, so then they, the players get a sense of what's going on there. So um, that was, you know, a really good find. Uh, and if you just look up Louis L'Amour and Pongo Jim, uh, you should be able to find links to it fairly, fairly easily. Um, the hydrofoil was, that really was the initial inspiration for the basic plot line of Pirates. Um, 
I'd been sort of browsing around on Wikipedia. I don't remember exactly why I found it, why I went and looked, uh, went looking at a particular art, that particular article on hydrofoil. But then in reading it, I noticed that Alexander Graham Bell, the inventor of the telephone, um, did actually experiment with early hydrofoils. Uh, in fact, he created one called the HD4, um, which he uh, actually did build and show off in 1919. And this hydrofoil went like 75 miles an hour on the ocean, or at least on whatever body of water he was testing. It might have been a lake, but still, 75 miles an hour in the water, and no army or navy took him up on it. It just languished. It, it basically it never went anywhere, uh, literally. And um, uh, I found a few. There's a couple of pictures on the Wikipedia article, and actually, then by looking, you know, doing some Google searching on. Uh, Bell and the HD4, I was able to find some old photos um, from those particular times. And um, apparently someone, there, there's a, a reconstruction of the HD4 uh, in a modern museum in England, and someone took a Flickr photo or photo and put it on Flickr, so I was able to download the bigger picture and um, use that. And so that was a, I actually printed that out in full color and showed it to the players and said, you know, this is what you see. And, and uh, it was a really good picture. Uh, so uh, once I realized the hydrofoil, I said, well, that's the obvious way that any self-respecting pirate is going to use or want to use to catch up to the ship. The problem with anything is you got to be able to catch up with it. Now, you know, if it's only going eight to 10 knots, well, f you might think, well, gee, then, you know, you can use even just an old outboard motor, but having a hydrofoil is pretty darn cool, and it lets you, it gives you much longer sort of striking distance, because you can go further and faster, and you can be away from, what, you know, once you've stolen everything that you want, um, it's real fast for getting you the heck away, and if you ever do encounter any uh, military um, escorts, well, you know, the fact that you can go 50, 60, 70 miles an hour and these warships can go maybe 20, 25 uh, knots. I know I'm mixing my units here, but, um, you know, you can basically go two and a half to three times faster than they can. It's very easy to get out of, of um, uh, shell uh, range of the big guns. So I then decided I came up with these different set pieces. I knew I wanted to have this hijacking uh, this actual attempt on the sea, and I knew that was going to be kind of one big way, uh, one big combat. And um, the island sort of came a little bit later. I kind of wanted, if you if you look at Project A, I kind of wanted that sort of last uh, once they once the heroes actually get onto the to their pirate island. I kind of wanted to try to recreate that as best I could, and I came up with a. Uh, not a full floor plan. I wasn't trying to really draw it out on graph paper and saying, here's all the different pieces. But I did put out a little block diagram. So, okay, here's the dock. Here's the cargo area. Here's the command center. Here's the barracks. Here's the, you know. So I, I knew where all the interconnecting, what connected to where, and whether they're not, you know, they were like, it was easy to get there or there were locked doors in the way. So that gave me an idea of, um, you know, once they got there, where can they go? Where can they go from here without having to draw this humongous plan and for and you know forget things like closets and bathrooms and plumbing and all that? Just okay, there are ducks that can go everywhere. So if they want to sneak onto the island, that's a way for them uh, to get there. Uh, I kind of wanted because I I was new to the game system, although I'd, I'd heard about you know listened to the sessions that the Burps people did. Um, I didn't really have a good sense of how well this system worked, so I kind of wanted to have a little bar fight at the beginning. Uh, to um, 
give the players a chance and me a chance to figure out how this game system worked. And unfortunately, they didn't uh, take into uh, take the opportunity to go uh, interview the, the other freighter crews where they could have gotten into one. Um, I actually found a floor plan of uh, Alcatraz in case they decided to be really, really stupid and try to break out uh, Archie from uh, the Turkish prison. I hadn't thought about him using him really as an NPC. I, I kind of had a I had dialogue written for him as far as the explanation of what happened to him, but I didn't really expect them that uh, to try and uh, keep him around. So I thought that well, that's a great idea. Okay, no no problem. Uh, you know the 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 getting him out of the Turkish prison is I I already kind of knew how they could do that. So uh, without actually trying to break him out, they just pay a bribe or bribe the, the warden, they could get him out. And uh, I used a slightly different Scott accent, or tried to use a different Scott accent. I didn't want to do um, uh, the sort of traditional Scotty from Star Trek or um, the caricatured Highland whatever. I tried to kind of go a little bit lower key. Um, uh, there's actually a, a, a real-life person that I uh, tried to base it off of. And you know, if people want to email and ask if that's, their, you know, guess who it is, I'll tell them, I'll tell you whether it's right or not. Um, I was a little bit astonished in their fixation on following Rastopopoulos around and actually not confronting him. I had it all written up. If you confront him, you know, he caves, and he has this whole story of why he's doing what he's doing, uh, and they basically ignored the ignored that plot completely. They decided they would follow him around, and, and it's like, it, it kind of reminded me of what they did uh, in uh, one of the uh, episodes of Day of the Beast, where they, instead of just confronting this priest, they decided, well, let's, you know, try to drill a hole in the ceiling above him so we can watch him. It's like, I'm going, what? It's like, okay, here you go, fine. Um, I was I was pretty happy with the way the final combat sequence worked. Uh, I think that turned out pretty well. Um, the Some of the, the, the three bad guys, the big bad guys that I had designed, um, one of them worked really well, one of them worked okay, the last one didn't work very well at all, and that's fine. He, you know, um, you know, live and learn. It's my first time uh, creating villains, so uh, and their first time playing it and encountering them. So I don't think it really uh, was that big a deal. But um, since I do want to continue this uh, with these characters and with this campaign, uh, I will try to design some slightly better uh, character or better villains for them. Uh, in fact, I might. Well, anyway, I'll, well, well, we'll see what happens. I'll try to do a little bit better. I was amused that they decided to steal all the treasure from the vault, and I had Briggs. You know, of course he knows that they've done it, um, but uh, you know, we'll see how they decide to use the money. If they use it in a in a not obviously self-aggrandizing manner, then um, you know he'll probably look the other way. Uh, and if not, um, you know, well, I can sm smack him down around, uh, smack him around a little bit. Um, no one actually noticed, and I don't know if any of you have noticed that. Um, the character of Briggs, um, actually this was kind of another sort of pseudo-inspiration. Um, the original title for the old TV series Mission Impossible was going to be Briggs' Squad. And the character that Peter Graves eventually took over, uh, or replaced, he replaced Stephen Hill, Stephen Hill's character was named Dan Briggs. So I don't think, I, I did tell one of my players this, I don't think the others have actually noticed um, noticed the uh, or gotten the reference, but uh, uh, so in a sense, uh, this is sort of you know kind of a combination of Mission Impossible as well. So, you know, sending these guys on uh, uh, characters on uh, missions that uh, hopefully will be very very challenging for them. 
So anyway, um, the scenario worked out pretty well. Uh, the characters all seem interested in continuing. Uh, I have a lot of ideas, too many ideas, about what uh, I'm going to do next. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. We're going to be switching uh, back to Call of Cthulhu for a little while, but um, I, what I'm hoping is that as the inspiration strikes me and I get more of the next scenario done, then I'll call a temporary halt to Cthulhu, switch back into adventure, and then when that episode or that scenario is finished, then uh, go back to Cthulhu. So I have no idea how long that will take, um, but uh, when it does, I will be you know, trying to record and release these again. So uh, until next time, talk to you later. Bye-bye.